We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68. Illinois basketball had an interesting week. A week that included uh, a lot of different storylines. We have a ton to talk about here. A seven-point collapse in 30 seconds. Five subs coming in at the same time against Iowa. I mean, we we got it all this week. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by my co-host Mike Farmer. Mike, how you doing? What'd you make of this week of Illinois hoops? That was that was a hell of a week, just from odd first half at Penn State transition to up ten uh, in the first in the last couple minutes of the Penn State game, and then as we know, ended uh, extremely poorly. A lot of outrage on social media afterwards. Guys getting called out, coaches getting called out. Crazy week, but then you bounce back with a nice home win over over Iowa, putting up almost 100 points against a pretty solid Iowa team who's been playing well recently. So, terrible start to the week, but a solid bounce back game uh, against Iowa. We're just talking about right before we hit record here that the next episode we record next week, it's going to be March, and it does not feel like that at all. I said that, that whole last three games in March stretch in the postseason has felt like so far away for so long. Now it's what, what's the date today? February 25th. So it's going to be March on Friday. That's pretty insane. And uh, Illinois hoops has some things to figure out here and we'll get to all of that. We do need to start on Wednesday night. I know a lot of Illini fans probably don't want to dwell on that. I certainly don't want to think about that atrocity more than I have to, but the problem with recording a once a week podcast is that we do get a couple games in between each episode. And even though that one's passed and Illinois has had a nice bounce back W we do have to talk about a just brutal meltdown at state college at rec hall, which I never want to play another game at that voodoo arena. Again, I knew, (laughs) I, I knew something was up. I'm like, there's just some weird vibes here. We're playing at this rec hall. The students are right on the court. Normally there's like a hundred Penn state fans that show up to a game, but we got this thing packed. Something weird's going to happen, and sure enough, Illinois blows a seven-point lead in 34 seconds to Penn State. I think they're up 10 with like a minute 20 left. Just an absolute brutal collapse for Illinois. Everything that could possibly go wrong at the end of the game went wrong. Everything that could have possibly went right for Penn State went right. It was the perfect storm to allow Penn State to completely steal a 90-89 to win. How, how worrisome was that? I know it was it was a uh, complete firestorm on the, the Illinois social media fan base after that one, and I don't really blame them. I mean, that was just awful to watch. But what was your reaction to seeing that complete collapse by Illinois on Wednesday night? I mean, just honestly disbelief because we've seen some collapses. You know, you go scoreless against Nebraska in the final three minutes. They force OT. You end up winning the game, like, Similar thing happens at Michigan State. They go on a huge run in the last uh, six, eight minutes of the game, whatever it was. Well, you didn't really see anything like that, like that Penn State game that we just witnessed. I think it was in the final three. Like, I wrote an article about it. It was so bad, just about the state of the team, and I focused on some of the details of the game. It was like the final three minutes, you got outscored, I think, 17-7. to So they were down 10, and they win by one, something like that. And then we made one field goal, had two turnovers. I think we missed three or four free throws. Like, just everything terrible that possibly could have happened, happened. 
But I, I don't think it's fair to only talk about the final four minutes, final 230 of the game. I think it's right to talk about the entire game. Because you look at the start of that game, and Illinois is down, I think, 10, like three minutes in, like Quidus, Quidus Wahab has his uh, season average in the first, like, six minutes of the game. Like, stuff like that just cannot happen. I get it's a voodoo magic arena at Rec Hall, which is, like, I guess you can complain about that a bit. But still, we've seen some of the problems that Illinois has had the whole season still happen at that game. Like, you can't blame the entire thing on Rec Hall. You can't blame it on refs, whatever you want to call out, like. It made a difference, I guess, but Illinois still has to play better the whole game, the final four minutes of the game, whatever it may be. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I was obviously pretty disheartened. I was kind of furious after the game. Like, I just, I could not believe that happened. You miss the free throws with Coleman. He fouls the three-point shooter. And then you end up getting a decent look at the end of the game that probably goes in seven, seven out of ten times. Justin Harmon had a great take to the basket. with How much different? Left. How much different would everyone feel if he just made that? Like the whole collapse happens, but Harmon hits a buzzer beater. Like the, everything changes at that point. I thought a lot about that after the game. And my thinking was like, obviously it's like, it's awesome. You get a buzzer beater win, but still you have to like, like it helps your record, helps your resume, whatever doesn't hurt your resume. Everybody would be happy about that. But I think you still have to factor in oh, how true. poorly you played in the last four minutes. You still gave up 89 points, whatever it was, to Penn State on the road, a team that's, like, barely top 100 in their Kempom uh, offense, didn't have their best player. So, obviously, it would have helped a bit with morale. Like, just not losing that game would have been awesome overall. But there's still definitely some concerns uh, coming out of that game, whether you won or lost it. No, yeah, you're 100% right. The buzzer beater would have saved the win-loss record and saved the fire Brad Underwood tweets that were being fired off. But – it definitely wouldn't have changed a lot of the things that we saw in the game. And really the way I look at it is like, it's obvious that this team has some late game problems and that's been a trend here the last couple of weeks. And that's something that's going to need to get figured out for sure. But I almost, I'm, I'm less bothered by collapsing in the manner they did in blowing a seven point lead in 30 seconds. As weird as it sounds, I'm less bothered by that because it was such a fluky thing to me. Like, if you tell me Illinois is going to be up seven with 34 seconds left in an NCAA tournament game, they're going to win it. That's a, that's a collapse that happens once every a hundred times, maybe if you're lucky. And that's not excusing it. Cause I think Illinois did a lot to lose, but my bigger concern from the game was my God, you couldn't guard Penn state for 40 minutes, a Penn state Nittany lions team that, like you said, didn't have their best player got kicked out of the program right before the game. And Kanye Clary was leading them in scoring. Nick Kern is going to go nine for nine for a stretch of the second half on you. I know he's making a couple tough ones, but just the way that like Illinois got back cut five or six times. Communication was terrible. There were just so many lapses. There were three baseline out of bounds plays, three baseline out of bounds plays that Penn state got dunks off of uncontested dunks where Illinois just didn't communicate a switch or didn't fight over a screen. And, uh, and you give up 90 to Penn State, and I know some of that came in that late-game flurry, but for the first half, it was as bad as I've seen Illinois' defense all season long amidst a lot of really bad struggles for most of the last month, and that was as bad as it had gotten the first half against Penn State. It was ridiculous. Illinois was lucky to get a 14-point lead in the second half, which obviously you have to close out. Again, I'm not excusing that manner of collapse that they had, but... I think that's more fluky and more something that is not going to linger as much. However, the defensive performance is something that's going to linger because Illinois can't guard right now. And I know they will talk about the Iowa game in a little bit where I thought they looked a little bit better on that end, but your, your weekly update, Bart Torvik defensive efficiency numbers since Terrence Shannon returned 121st in the country in defense that's like Kentucky levels. You hear some of the talk about Kentucky, Alabama, how awful those teams are defensively. Illinois is right there with them in terms of all offense, no defense. And uh, you can outscore a team once or twice, but if you're not going to get consistent stops, then that really limits how many games in a row you can win against really good teams in the postseason. And we've talked about that, but I was far more bothered by just how poor Illinois played on defense. And I thought it was pretty much everybody. I thought maybe Terrence Shannon was the only guy who defended at a high level in that game for Illinois, everyone else, whether it was just assignment mistakes, mental errors, or just a lack of toughness and, and effort 
and we saw that come to play even on Saturday, which we'll get to as well. But that's a concerning trend to me for sure, and I was more bothered by that than I was the the fluky collapse, as crazy as that might sound. Maybe a hot take, but uh, I'm much more worried about this defense than I am about a 30-second seven-point collapse that'll happen once every eight years. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if I totally agree with uh, worrying about the defense more compared to turnovers, late game situations. Cause I think they're both very valid complaints uh, about this team, but um, yeah, Penn state did have to hit a ton of shots. Like still scoring seven points in 34 seconds is pretty crazy or eight, whatever they scored. Um, yeah. They, they had to hit a lot of tough shots, timely shots. Illinois had a couple nice shots, like in these, in this Iowa game yesterday too. Like they played pretty well down the stretch, I think compared to Penn state at least. But you think back to the Penn State game, like, I'll give you, I'll give, I'd allow the team, like, one, a combined maybe one or two, like, failed switches, backdoor cuts, like, out-of-bounds scores. They gave up, like, 15 of them combined. Like, it was unreal. Justin Harmon got backdoored, honestly, five or six times. Like, remember that the Purdue game uh, at Illinois a couple years ago with Alfonso Plummer, who got just torched Mm -hmm. in overtime and we lost? I had just disgusting flashbacks to that game. Uh, and this was like a much lower stakes game. Like, I don't, it was crazy. But just the dunks off of inbounds is unacceptable. The back doors is just hilarious. And then in the half court off, or half court defense, too, it's just like guys aren't getting over screens. Like, if they are, if they're not switching, they're not getting over screens. Like, guys are failing to communicate who's on who. Like, it, you're not going to win an NCAA tournament game against a decent team. Uh, with a type of defense like that. I think I agree with you is a little bit better in terms of uh, like less mental mistakes against Iowa, but still you gave up 85 points to albeit a pretty good offense. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of concerns about this team with uh, defense, especially being the focal point right now. And I also just thought like they weren't very physical at all. They're just getting moved around to one-on-one and they're just the toughness doesn't seem to be there and it's disappointing because of how many older guys you have it felt like that entire Penn State game was a a game played by a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and not a bunch of fifth-year seniors both the late game stuff but also just competing on the defensive end especially given the fact that we were closing out last week's episode talking about how Ohio State had beaten Purdue all of a sudden you control your destiny to win a big 10 next game out is at Penn state, a team who is, has a first year head coach, their star player just got kicked out of the program. They're playing at a rec hall because they can't fill their normal stadium. Like you got to go in there and play like you can't, it just felt like they fell into a trap of like, all right, here we go. We can coast through this one. We don't have to compete as hard. And uh, the focus just wasn't there. And that's why, you know, you sure heard some of Brad Underwood's comments after the game and this week about how he had, really hard practice and had some tough conversations with some people, namely Coleman Hawkins, who ended up having a hell of a day against Iowa. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean like Coleman Hawkins missing two free throws as an 80% shooter and then going down and following a three point shooter. You cannot have that from a senior leader of your team. That's ridiculous, especially a guy that's been trolling all over Twitter for a week, like to come out and do that. I love Coleman's personality. I love his trolling, but you can't then follow three shooter to lose at Penn state. Then after that, then I have a problem with it. So it's just, you just need more focus from your senior and your, your, your senior leaders and to have to waste a 35 point game from Terrence Shannon, who looked like the only one who was taking the game with the seriousness it needed to be taken with was really disappointing. And, and yeah, late game stuff like to, Terrence wasn't at wasn't free from blame either for dribbling into two guys turning it over Justin Harmon can't inbound the ball you got to use two timeouts like I know some people come back to like well here's why not having a point guard is is hurting you late in games I kind of disagree with that you don't need a point guard to inbound without calling back-to-back timeouts you know you don't need a point guard for your senior center to not follow a three-point shooter would it be nice to have one late in some of these games sure but that's just stuff that when you got four seniors on the court that it shouldn't be happening. And just the lack of mental focus for a game that you kind of felt like, I mean, I, the entire fan base kind of felt like, well, this has kind of a trappy nature to it, whether it's the rec hall 
or Penn State just, you know, they've given some teams a, a rough time. They beat Wisconsin at home earlier this year. It felt at least to me, maybe I'm speaking for more people than I should, at least to me it felt like you better play pretty well tonight or this could be a trappy game, especially knowing that a couple days ago you just got a chance to win the Big Ten handed back to you. So didn't felt like it was treated as serious as it needed to be. Am I fair to say that? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel the trap game. Obviously, like the rec hall is a factor, just a weird situation uh, all around. But I, on, I said at some point in the first half, I, I haven't like rewatched anything. I don't know when it was, but there was a stretch of like maybe a couple of possessions in a row where there was like Harmon gets backdoored. Uh, I think there was, did they have a stretch where they had like back-to-back dunks off inbounds? And like, it was like two and two minutes. Yeah, it was two and within a, you know, between timeout stretch for sure. So it, it was like that stretch. We were, I think we were down like four or six. Like it wasn't even a bad deficit. Still 30 minutes to play in the game. And I said, we're losing this game. And obviously like, I just thought that because like the mental mistakes, like it's too much to overcome at that point. Cause they're not going to like, they're probably not going to change in the second half. So that was like my line of thinking, but then I'm not going to like claim like when there was four minutes left, I still thought we were losing. Like I thought we were winning for sure. Just that collapse was unbelievable. But some of the stuff, like, you got to take the full 40 minutes seriously. Like, you can't slack off for one half and try to bounce back in the second half the last 20 minutes just because you have a great offense and a bunch of great seniors. Like, you got to be locked in. Like, this is the time of the year where every minute matters, every shot matters. And we've seen that in a couple games now where, especially late game situations, like, you miss a shot, team gets a rebound, gets a fast break, they score, and the trend or the uh, the pace of the game, like, the flow of the game totally changes like one shot, one rebound, whatever it is, one hustle play can totally change the game. And I just thought at that Penn state game, like the team just wasn't locked in for the full 40 minutes. And I think the most infuriating part was when Coleman was taking those two free throws with 18 seconds left, whatever it was. I don't know if everybody noticed, but he was like, he didn't get the ball right away from the ref or something. He was pissed about something. And he's standing at the free throw line, like waving his hands, like what's going on. And then he misses two. He missed the first one. And then he started complaining after the first one too, before he shot the second one, missed both. And then follows the three point shooter. Like that is a, just a complete lack of focus, lack of discipline, whatever you want to call it. And so I'm, I'm glad Brad Underwood had the talk with him after the game. 
And uh, Brad mentioned that after the Iowa game, after Coleman dropped 30. So I think we're in a better spot all around. We had some tough talks, I'm sure. But, yeah, that the lack of focus, lack of discipline, lack of effort, that was not fun to watch at that Penn State game. How concerned are you about the late game stuff? Because it has happened three times in the last three weeks. Nebraska, you probably should have lost that game. You're up 10 with three and a half minutes to go. Didn't score until Marcus Damas got fouled on, you could call it a bailout foul with three seconds left to send the game to overtime. And then Michigan State, you have a seven, eight point lead with six something minutes left. Michigan State storms back. You don't make a field goal for seven minutes. Michigan State takes that one from you. And now here against Penn State is just about as bad as you'll ever see. Blowing a seven-point lead with 34 seconds left. Illinois could not break Penn State's pressure. Uh, you had to use back-to-back timeouts to get the ball in. You turn it over twice. You follow a three-point shooter. You miss free throws. I'm, I'm back and forth on it. I think that they're – to me, there's been a little bit of an overreaction in terms of, I, I, like I said, I might be in the minority here. I think there's bigger picture issues than blowing a seven-point lead with 34 seconds left because I do think that that isn't going to happen very often. I think you'd have to literally be DePaul to be worried about that um, on a daily basis. I think there's too many, too much experience, too many good players on this team for me to be worried. If Illinois is in a round of 32 game under a minute left up seven, that I'm going to be like pissing down my leg because Illinois might blow the game. I I don't think that's going to happen very often. With that said, we have seen this become a trend here. And you do have some roster flaws, namely being not a true point guard ball handler that can really, you know, close a game out and, and handle pressure like that. Is that something where does that fall on the list of Illinois concerns heading into March for you? Number one concern is the abysmal defense. I don't think that's even a question. Like you give up no matter how bad your late game struggles are, you give up. 80 points uh, with four minutes left in the game, you're probably going to lose that game in the NCAA tournament. But obviously, the if you want to call it lack of a point guard, if you want to call it just guys not hitting shots late in the game, whatever you want to talk about in regards to late game scenarios, still definitely a major concern. Like I thought they took a step forward with the Mar- with the road game at Maryland. Uh, Harmon made a huge clutch play, got the ball to Hawkins, completely changed the momentum of the game, and Illinois comes out with the win. So they're like I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on it like you. I think it's a major concern overall. But there are like it's it's college basketball. Like it can be one play that completely changes the game like we saw at Maryland. It wasn't really that at Penn State. Like Penn State just strung together a couple stops, a couple really timely shots, hit three free throws at the at the end of the game to win it. So it it's odd to me. I don't know. I I also did, just don't understand why we're so bad late in the game. Like so, certain games it's guys are just taking 25 seconds standing around and uh, chucking up a bad shot with four minutes left in the game. Sometimes it's awful turnovers. Sometimes it's guys fouling uh, on like whatever it is. Like, I don't, it's, it's odd to me. It's a major concern though. I think playing Ty Rogers, I, I, I don't really know how it would help that much, but like you see a guy like Harmon inbound, like just terribly for like a couple games in a row, he can't get a pass in. He has made some clutch plays, though, but I want to see Ty Rogers in the game. Like, He's our starting point guard, if you want to call it that. He's the guy that's bringing the ball up for the first like eight minutes of the game, so why isn't he doing it at the end of the game? I don't really know because the free throw situation is better. I know he's been in foul trouble a little bit recently, which I guess is part of why he's on the bench, but I think there comes a point where like that just doesn't matter in the final four minutes of the game where he should just be on the court because I think he's – proven to be a decent point guard at this point in the season. So I want to see him on the court, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of just went off on a tangent. So I want to hear your thoughts on how, like, do you think we're in trouble in March? Not because of this single game to me. I, 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 again, I think if we don't see defensive improvement by the time March hits, then yes. But just because this singular result happened, I'm not closing the book on this team's chances. I think that there's a, it should be a wake-up call. Hopefully it was, and Saturday kind of was as well. We'll talk about that in a second. But, again, to me, it's, it's bigger picture stuff. I, I think you get too caught up in one moment, which was a really bad moment. Part of me almost hopes that it can be a, a 
and Brad Underwood even said this, like in his pre-Iowa availability, like this team can't just show up and expect that they're going to win. And you can't just coast through the end of games. And it, part of me almost feels like it could be a, a motivator and kind of a, a turning point in a season where Illinois can get hot here, because I think a lot of that stuff is correctable to me. Like, it'd be one thing if this Illinois team's getting blown off the floor in road games, or you can't compete with some of these top teams, or, you know, you're one of these teams, whether it be Nebraska or whoever else it is that has like one road win all season long. And and that's a, a bigger picture issue. Illinois could have won every single game they've played this year. They they haven't got, they haven't lost by double digits. They've been in every game. And a lot of these issues are micro issues that are, whether it be the late game problems or whether it be just these singular results. And I, I know that defense is more of a bigger picture issue, but I still feel like this team is right there. I think the the talent is undeniable. The fact that they have all these opportunities to win games, you just got to figure out how to close them. And I think that that's more fixable issue than not being able to compete. They're just clearly being a tier below uh, all the teams you're competing against, which Illinois isn't. Illinois can beat anybody, in my opinion, but it does take, you know, just better execution late in games to me. Um, I do want to talk, unless you have any more thoughts on this Penn State game, I do want to talk about Iowa because I think that some of these things go hand in hand with what we saw. You got anything else on Penn State? Not really on Penn State, but I just, I don't know. I hope there's a part of me that hopes it's just like a law of averages thing where like we've just choked a bunch of games and maybe with like the, the tide turns in March. I don't know, something like that. That's what I'm rooting for. Be nice for sure. And um, Illinois responded well, I thought. Now it, it looked a little dicey here on Saturday against Iowa back at home. It was a, to me, this was the spot that was going to tell me a lot about where this team is at. If Illinois responded from that Penn State collapse and did not beat Iowa at home and on their home floor, a team that's going to be in the NIT, although maybe they wouldn't have been if they won yesterday, but Illinois made sure that they're pretty much certainly going to be in the NIT after beating them 95-85 on Saturday in Champaign. If Illinois responded and let that one result on Wednesday night spiral into worse and lost on their home floor to Iowa, then I'm gonna then I was gonna sit right here and say we got a problem. This team is not going anywhere this year, in my opinion, because it's just it's one of those moments that can just spiral and kind of lead to a collapse. I thought the response was good. Now you would have liked to see a, a smoother game that didn't involve all five year starters getting pulled in a hockey line change with 1806 to go in the game, but I thought the message was received and Illinois found a way to win this game. They closed this game. Well, they got into another tighter game late and this time they closed it pretty smoothly for a double digit victory. And, uh, Nico Moretti and Amani Hansberry and Dane danger. And this bench unit came in and provided a spark for this team. Biggest story was Coleman Hawkins, 30 points, career high, five assists, five steals. He was fantastic, but got a little deeper into the bench than you normally do. And it was because Brad Underwood was so upset with the way his starters were playing, but uh, the message was received only found a way to win. How encouraged were you by the response against Iowa following Wednesday? Obviously still concerned, still concerned with the defense, but I don't really want to focus on that right now. Cause we've, we've talked about that so much the past couple of weeks. Let's talk about something positive, huge contributions from already from Hansberry. Dane didn't really play well, but it was kind of crucial that he did play a little bit because some got some other guys were struggling as we saw all five stars pulled early in the second half. Uh, other guys, Harmon played really well in the second half after not really playing the first half. Goody didn't do too much, but like still key that he was in there. He had a couple shots, uh, some decent hustle plays, good energy guy as he's always been. But yeah, overall, five guys coming in with 18 minutes left in the half. It's not like they really like stormed back and took a, took a massive lead over Iowa. Like they just did their job. And that led to starters getting some rest, starters getting energized, understanding like, all right, this, this isn't going to fly anymore. We got to really turn it up at this point in the game and for the rest of the season. And it worked like, uh, it still was tied with a couple minutes left. I think seven minutes left. It was like 75, 75, something like that. But then Illinois did hit some timely shots down the stretch. Guys were motivated. Guys were hustling. 
uh, getting loose balls, stuff like that. Come out, you get the win. Moretti playing the last few minutes of the game, being the point guard. People on Twitter talking a lot about Moretti. Uh, Moretti being the, the Illinois has our, their, had their point lake. guard all along. Yeah, I'm, who says we I don't have a point I'm guard? Sold on that. Yeah, yeah I, I can't say I'm, I'm sold on that, but but uh, still good to see. Even if it's just one game, that was awesome to see for the future. Like if he's back on the roster next year, you never know if these guys are transferring. You never know who's staying. That would be awesome if he can really turn into at least a solid role player, which it seems like he has potential to do. But back to this season, you just you needed that win. Guys came in, they contributed off the bench. It was awesome to see. Yeah, man, I'm not I'm not out here saying let's start Moretti. He's your point guard. <laughs> Illinois had their point guard. What I will say is, I honestly, before yesterday with 18:06 to play, I did not think Moretti could contribute right now at this. I, I didn't think he was going to get off the bench the rest of the year unless Illinois was blowing Minnesota out on Wednesday. I just didn't think he was ready. And to see him come in and make a big impact on a really pivotal game in the Illinois season is unexpected, but really awesome. And at the very least, it gives you an option. It gives you a guy that now you can feel comfortable trusting if you're Brad Underwood. And if there is some flatness or if you need a guy who is going to play with a little more pace and, and be more of a true ball handler, you have that guy that, you know, can battle like, the, the biggest concern with Moretti has always been, is he just going to get eaten alive on the defensive end against high major competition? Now, I think that's still a valid question to ask. He's, what, six foot, 160-something. But I thought he played hard and battled, and I, I thought he just came in and gave the jolt of life that Illinois needed when it was a clear message that was being sent. Illinois came out of the locker room after they had given up a football pass 90 feet down the floor to Peyton Sanford and the half. Iowa goes into the locker room down one. Illinois couldn't get a stop for most of the first half. Iowa shot like 62% from the floor. And clearly there was a talk in the locker room at halftime with the expectation that the starting five was going to come out and start very strong, very energized, play really hard to start the second half. They did not do that. The first two minutes, 0 for 4, all four shots came from three. Iowa was at the rim three different times. They had a couple, Owen Freeman got a couple offensive rebounds, and Brad Underwood said, new five. We're, we're, we're going hockey line change. All five starters out, wasn't pleased. And like you said, it's not like those five guys, the, the bench unit came in and went on a 15-2 to run that won Illinois the game, but they came in, they didn't lose any ground for Illinois, and the message was received that, all right, if you're if this starting group, if my top guys, Coleman, Marcus Damas, Terrence Shannon, um, even Gary A. and Rogers, although those guys didn't really play much after that regardless, but the message was sent that you guys better go play your ass off right now or we got a huge problem because there's no reason that we should not we should be lacking effort on February 24th after collapsing at Penn State. And uh, I thought. Illinois came out and played really, really well down the stretch of the game. I thought their defense down the stretch of the game, overall, you give up 85. I thought the first half there was a, a lot of struggles. But when it mattered in this one, I thought they buckled down and forced some really tough shots for Iowa, which allowed them to pull away. Coleman Hawkins had a couple steals, which led to fast breaks that really got the place energized. He had such an awesome game. That's the biggest story of the game. Even though the bench is obviously what people are going to talk about, the story of the game was Coleman Hawkins at his worst game of the year against Penn State and came, comes back, has 30, has maybe the best game of his career. I know he turned it over a little bit, could have rebounded it a little bit better, but there's no need to nitpick a 30-point performance. He was your MVP of the game. He got off to a quick start with 13. Like It was clear he wanted to come out and just erase that game from Wednesday. And then after the message was sent by Brad in the second half, he had a heck of a finish to the game that really allowed Illinois to pull away. And uh, and Moretti and Justin Harmon closed the game for the last like 17 minutes. I think each of them came out for like a minute. And other than that, they both played the last 17 minutes. And it was also good to see Harmon, who had such a terrible game Wednesday. He really played with energy, got on the offensive glass, a couple layups, a couple cuts. He moved without the ball. That's the type of stuff that you needed to see after Wednesday. And obviously you would have liked to not have to have that type of strong message sent where your coach is benching your starters uh, in a game at home against Iowa. Maybe a different discussion to be had there. But at the end of the day, I thought it was a brilliant coaching decision and one that ended up kind of turning the tide on how we feel about this team. Because Illinois had played the way that they played for the first half of the game. 
and either had to squeak one out against Iowa at the end or flat out lost the game, I think it'd be a much different discussion about how it might be panic button time. But for now, I think Illinois responded in the way they needed to. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today big news guys i am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with autograph a company founded by the goat himself tom brady the autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content fan contests and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one when tom and yes i am calling him tom we're on a first name basis these days co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all of your college hoops content you want in one place you get articles from your favorite writers pods from your favorite hosts contests from your favorite creators all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy but instead of having to go to all these different places it all comes to you in one spot the autograph fandom map but here's the best part the more content that you consume the higher you rank in the app as you consider the level up in status on the app you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68. That's F68 or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. They did for sure. Obviously winning the game is the huge part. Glad they did that for sure. But like the bench contributions were awesome. I think one, one of my favorite parts about this team is like, like you said earlier, always being in the game. Like it's not likely that we could have won every game, but like we had a chance in every game, at least in the second half at some point to, just to win that game. Um, but yeah, I just love that this team doesn't really quit like individual guys. You see Moretti, like, he comes in, probably was not expecting to get in the game at all. He comes in, looks a bit shaky at the start, and then he ends up hitting two threes, being huge down the stretch, making really nice plays, not getting abused on defense, really. So it's just awesome to see, like, guys getting their name called like that. Like, Amani Hansberry has barely played the past two months. He comes in, high-energy guy, playing great defense, rebounding, got a bucket, I think. Um, just, just stuff like that's awesome to see. Like, Dane Danger really couldn't make a shot yesterday. Still given good minutes, still hustling, stuff like that. Like, uh, there's been some like individual culture problem, not not culture problems, but but like attitude problems during Brad Underwood's tenure that I think should be talked about a little bit. Like, you know, uh, the guys not hustling, guys not giving energy. Like last year's team was really struggled with that at some points, but overall, I think this year's team has really showed with the maturity, with the leadership from the older guys. Like. We're going to be in every game. We could go down 10. We're still going to be putting up a fight in this game. Uh, we're still going to try to claw back in and get a win, steal a win, whatever it may be. 
So I think that's really one of my takeaways from this game and from the season overall, which I think every fan is really appreciative of. Yeah, and I, I want to mention, too, for Amani Hansberry, who came in, and he's played a little bit more recently. He was hurt with the back spasms. He had, like, on and off back spasms where he's, like, questionable on every injury report. Recently, he's been back healthy, played a little bit more, but uh, I thought Saturday's game was the biggest impact he's made this year, and I'm willing to say and. You're right. I thought Danger came in and played hard and, and gave solid minutes, but Amani Hansberry should be this team's backup center in March, in my opinion. I, I, I think he's just better. I think he's a better option. I think you know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's going to play his tail off every time he's in. He only had four points, four rebounds, but it felt like he had a much bigger impact than that. Against that Iowa front court, too, where they play kind of the two bigs with Owen Freeman and uh, Ben Cricky and they were getting on the offensive glass way too much with both Dane and Coleman in there. And Amani, I thought got a couple big time rebounds, kept them off the glass, played really hard on the defensive end, um, had a couple buckets as well. He just, I, I think, and he, he communicates so well too. When Illinois sits back and drop, which I think Coleman has struggled at a lot and Dane Danger has been brutal at, I think he might be Illinois' best drop coverage defender at the, at the five spot, just with how much he communicates and, and how much he's always using his hands and, um, he's not maybe a rim protector type, but he's a guy that's just going to kind of be in the right spot, uh, knock it out of position. I think he deserves to be the backup five in March. Do you, what do you think about that? I like that a lot. And just, I don't want to speculate on Dane leaving, but like, if we're just being realistic, he has seen his role diminished a lot. And just with the transfer portal, with everything, I think it's, I would not blame him at all. If he grad transferred to go start somewhere. I mean, yeah, I, no, I'm just, there's certain transfers in this day and age where you're going to be really upset and feel a certain type of way. Jade Naps. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but Dane Danger, I would feel great for if he found a spot where he could really thrive because he, he's a good college basketball player. He just doesn't really fit this roster, in my opinion. He deserves it, too. Like, he came in, he sat out, he worked his ass off that, uh, that one offseason. And he would, like – he wasn't great last season, but like offensively, he was way better than anybody expected from the fan base, at least. And I think he hasn't really been appreciated too much. Like, like the fan base just expects instant buckets, great defense, instant, like huge wins from this team. But I think he's, he's worked really hard. He's, he's still a good player, like you said. But I, I just think for this year, for the rest of this season, I agree with you. I want to see Imani. And just like for the, like, it, it's, like when DGO and Moretti, when Amani get in the game, we're so used to seeing these 23-year-olds, nothing against them, but like it's like a breath of fresh air to see the young like 19-year-olds come in. Like just seeing a new face on the court, they get they get a rebound, they get a steal, anything that they do that's positive, like the crowd goes crazy. The fans just love it. They love seeing the young guys win, uh, make winning plays, stuff like that. So I think – and it's not like they're bad players or anything. Like Amani comes in and he actually makes plays. DGL – gets buckets too. Moretti has just shown that he can make plays uh, offensively offensively for this team for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I agree with you. I want to see Amani in. I'd, I'm not totally sold on, like, Moretti being the starting point guard, obviously. I, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's realistic for him to play, like, 15 minutes a game either. But, like, if he can come in, run the pick and roll, not get uh, not get targeted on defense too much, like, he could be a solid contributor for this team for the next month or so. And that would be awesome. But yeah, back to your point, I think Amani should be the should be taking Dane's minutes realistically, but we'll see if that happens or not. Yeah, I mean, if Moretti's going to make 100% from three, which is what he's shooting right now, then yeah. maybe he should play all 40. But no, I, I agree with you totally. I, I just think Amani has proven that he is a more capable backup five, whereas I don't know if Nico Moretti, based on 17 minutes of one game, has proven he's going to take – Harmon's minutes or Goody's minutes or anything. I think that there is a clear upgrade there from Dane to Amani that I want to see that happen. And I, based on the way Brad was talking about Amani after the game, compared him to Io Desunmu as a trash talker and an energy guy. That was I mean, crazy. Brad, Brad's ne Brad has never been one to shy away from some lofty comparisons, but uh, that makes me think maybe he is going to play quite a bit more. So I just, I've been really impressed with him, even if he's not going to, you know, put up the numbers that even Dane is like, there's going to be an, a, a production discrepancy there. But I think that some of the, you know, stuff that doesn't go in the box score, I feel like Amani is plays 
better than an 18 year old would, uh, especially at a center spot, a, a really tough defensive position. So uh, that's just one observation I had. But uh, yeah, Illinois beats Iowa. They moved to 11 and five in the Big Ten, 20 and seven, fifth straight year of 20 wins. I just want to take one moment for all the people that were flooding social media on Wednesday night. And you have the right to be frustrated about blowing that game. But Brad Underwood just put together his fifth 20-win season in a row at Illinois. The only other Illinois coach to do that was Lou Henson back in the 80s. And uh, I I just want to take a moment to just kind of realize what that is and the consistency that he's brought to this Illinois program. Illinois is probably going to be a a top four seed in the NCAA tournament for the third time in the last four seasons. Uh, If COVID hadn't gotten canceled, five straight NCAA tournament appearances. Brad Underwood is the second best coach in Illinois basketball history. And I don't think that I just want I just want to take a moment here because I'm so fed up every time I see all this BS go around. And I know you feel the same way as me, but I did. It's just it's a it's a cool milestone. I know 20 wins doesn't mean what it used to because now we break it down in quads and, you know, Ken Palm and net and KPI and all this stuff. But 20 win season means if for five straight years means you brought a level of consistency and success to a program. I know the next step is moving on in the NCAA tournament, but that's pretty cool too. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm, I think we're both, we've both been part of the issue too. Like everybody is like, even as kind of, it's not our job, but like, it's kind of our role to talk about the team, like game to game struggle, stuff like that. But like, when you look back at the bigger picture, us as like 19, 20 year olds, we witnessed some really terrible teams. Like we were one years old for the uh, 2005 D Brown, Darren Williams, Luther had a line. like, we have not seen tournament success. We have not seen big 10 success. And then Brad Underwood came around, completely changed the culture, changed the program, changed the record. Uh, like just remember, like remember the games back in like 2019 where it's like, Oh yeah. Illinois has not beat Wisconsin in the Cole center in uh, a decade and a half. And mm-hmm. now we've won like eight in a row against that team in general. Like just the tone around the program has completely changed. It's it's difficult not to get caught up in, oh, this guy's not making shots the past ten games. This guy hasn't played a lick of defense for the past two years. Like, yeah, you can complain about that, but when you look back at the bigger picture, like Illinois is back. They're going to be back in tournament contention every year. They're back in Big Ten title contention every year. They're recruiting at a elite level. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's really fun players, like all American caliber players, all Big Ten caliber players, really g- great role players coming in from the portal every year. So it's awesome. It's an awesome time to be to be an Illini fan. And yeah, I'm grateful for it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, what that's going to be, well, it probably won't be, unfortunately, for matters that don't relate to basketball, but it would have been had uh, Terrence Shannon not gone to Kansas in September. It would have been uh, four All-Americans in, in five years or three and four because I, I was, well, it was, I yeah, four. it was three and four because I was an All-American, then Kofi, and then Terrence absolutely is a top five player in the country this year. Um, but it'll remain to be seen, you know, what, uh, what the voting looks like there. I, I get it, but, um, that's, that's pretty cool too. And again, I realize, and, and a lot of people are probably going to hear this and be like, well, you know, you got all those all Americans and you don't have any tournament success to, to go with that. But, uh, 
just just keep putting top seeded teams in the tournament and there's so much that has to go your way whether it be draw whether it be you know you have a terrible shooting night whether whatever it is like if you just keep putting top four seeds in the tournament like brad underwood is he's gonna make a run like it's it's there's nothing that he's doing in my opinion that's like well he's just screwing the team over in march it's just sometimes it's the luck of the draw and uh I still think this team has a chance as well. So um, we'll get a better picture of that, though, the next couple of weeks. Do want to preview this week of hoops. Two more games for Illinois. Um, back at home against the Minnesota Golden Gophers on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. That is a quad three game. Um, your only quad, your only non-quad one game left, so one that you just got to win. Take care of business before you head into a three-game stretch to close the season. That includes three quad one games, two of them on the road against Wisconsin and Iowa, and the other one being the number two-ranked Purdue Boilermakers at home. And uh, so you got Minnesota this week, Wednesday night, and then Saturday at noon, the Kohl Center, Wisconsin at Wisconsin, a team that's kind of been struggling here recently, but it's definitely going to be a tough game. You did mention Illinois six in a row against Wisconsin after I think they lost 14 straight before that. So um, pretty, pretty incredible turn of the tide in that rivalry. But um, what are you going to be looking for this week? Obviously the Minnesota games just won. That's a better Minnesota team, but you got to take care of that one. The Wisconsin game is going to be a huge opportunity for Illinois. If we still want to have discussions about moving up to a three seed or keeping your tournament standing here on that four seed line, picking up a quad one road win against Wisconsin would go a long way. For sure. I, I like your point. Just for the Minnesota game, at least just, just don't have a fall, a complete collapse like the Penn state game. Like it's not going to help your resume in terms of a huge quad one victory, stuff like that, but it could hurt your resume. It could hurt your big 10, like seeding chances could hurt your um, chances of getting a top four protected seed in March stuff like that but just in terms of inside the game itself I want to see like I'd like like if there's a if there's a comfortable lead or something like that I'd like to see DGL Moretti uh, Amani playing a bit more extended minutes because it, it could be kind of crucial uh, down the stretch of this season to have guys like unlock their potentials get off the bench a little bit more have guys in your back pocket that you could use at certain points in March uh, in Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament so I'd like to see a little bit of course, improve defense. I think that goes without saying at this at this point because we've stressed it so much the past uh, past month or so. So improve defense. Uh, honestly, just really good energy too. Like it can be easy to grab a win at Iowa or grab a win against Iowa at home, which is a pretty big win. Good energy, good team uh, morale win, and it can be kind of easy to just fall back and like expect to win a game against a lower tier Minnesota team, kind of like we saw when we took the trip to Penn State a couple of days ago. So, yeah, just improved defense, of course, uh, high energy, like none of these mental mistakes, getting backdoored, getting uh, allowing alley-oops off of inbounds plays, stuff like that that we've seen a little bit recently. And I think my one wish would just be to see, like, the bench unlocked a little bit more because seeing the bench against Iowa was really fun, and it did honestly help the team quite a bit. I'll tell you what, Minnesota's a heck of a lot better team than Indiana this year, and Illinois was tied with Indiana with a minute 20 to go. So there still needs you still need to come out and play well. This isn't your average Minnesota team where you play your C-minus game and you win by 15. Like that, That's not the case this year. They got a solid team. They got some transfers in there. Dawson Garcia, a guy that Illinois targeted a couple off seasons ago, having a great year. Cam Christie, the freshman. Elijah Hawkins, talk about a true point guard. He's one of the better passers in the country. So Minnesota's played well this year. They're not a tournament team, but they're one that, what are they? They have eight Big Ten wins this year. What's their record in, in Big Ten play? Should have it, but uh, wasn't prepared. I, I started making a point without being prepared for the answer. That's always not good, but... Uh, um, the point seven, is they're good though they're they're good yeah um they're they're a solid team they can give you trouble they've been good at home obviously on the road a little bit different story but um point being illinois can't sleepwalk through it like they have in some of these home games um but that is one you absolutely cannot afford to lose uh heading into that three game stretch afterwards but the wisconsin game is going to be the huge one 
and it's going to be a test. Wisconsin has struggled here recently. They've had some similar issues that Illinois has had. Their their offense hasn't been quite as good, and their defense hasn't been quite as bad, um, but a similar trend in that they've really struggled to stop people here recently over this this stretch where they've lost, I think, uh, five of their last seven. And, uh, and now at home against Illinois, it's going to be a big opportunity for them because they're sitting right below Illinois when it comes to tournament projection. I think they're a current five seed. Illinois is still clinging on to that four line uh, in most brackets. So it's going to be a huge game to, to get a team like Illinois, a quad one game at home. You know they're going to come to play. Cole Center, I know Illinois won three in a row there, I think. But that is still always a tough play, especially on a Saturday. Should be juiced up in there. Uh, it was great when they played Purdue on a Sunday earlier this year. I expect it's going to be a really tough atmosphere for Illinois to go into. And they've got a really experienced team, too. And I'm excited to watch the Terrence Shannon-AJ Store matchup. I think that's going to be an awesome matchup. Both those guys have been great this year. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. It just it feels like this – core Wisconsin group with the, the Chucky Hepburn and the Tyler Wall and uh, Stephen Crowell, Illinois just kind of had their number. Like, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a solid matchup for Illinois. Um, and uh, it, it's tough. How confident are you that Illinois can go into Wisconsin and win? I feel like if you asked this question three weeks ago, it'd be a different answer. I still think it's going to be tough, but I think Illinois should win this game. I think they should win this game against this current version of Wisconsin. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy, but I don't know. Just like during the Brad Underwood era, since we've had, since we've had Iowa, at least I've thought that Illinois has been more talented than Wisconsin every single year. I think it's been four or five years. I, I'm kind of biased. Cause I just, I don't like anything about Wisconsin. Like they just, they have like, they're kind of like Purdue, but like worse. I like, the, they don't have seven footers, but they have like, three-star guys that that come in and play defense to play the right way <laughs> like Greg guard just recruit <laughs> he just develops them and like by their fourth year they're just like a uh, 15 and 5 big 10 team and they're not that talented on paper ever i will say aj store is really talented like he's an awesome player that could be getting nba uh, nba draft looks this offseason but like my point still stands i i think we're better on paper than this team i think we've been playing better recently than them because they've had major issues losing 5 of 7 the home court advantage in Madison is pretty nice for them though. Like that place does get pretty rowdy when they, when they need to get rowdy. So that's a concern. I would say just playing on the road in the big 10 is a concern. We've talked about that the entire season. Illinois is one of the better road teams in the big 10. And I think they're four and four, I want to say. So that's like 500 and that's one of the best road teams in the big 10. But I do think Illinois can win this game. And I think without a late game collapse, I think they do win this game. Yeah, and with that said, that road record, four and four being second in the Big Ten is kind of crazy, but also they could be seven and one like pretty easily. And I'm, again, I'm not saying they should have won all these games because they lost them. But at Northwestern, you, Marcus DeMass makes a shot he's made like 15 times this year. You win that one. Michigan State, you led by seven with five minutes left, and you couldn't buy a bucket. And then obviously, I mean, there's no excuse for losing that Penn State game. I mean, Illinois has played – extremely well relative to really the entire country on the road this year. Even you go back to Tennessee, that's a team that's a final four contender. Illinois led that at halftime. Um, and we're one big Tennessee second half run from really being right in that in the final minutes. So they've, they've gone out and I think Illinois played pretty inspired basketball, played pretty hard on the road for the most part. They haven't been intimidated by some of these environments. The, the numbers Terrence Shannon's putting up on the road has been really impressive given everything that is getting chanted his way and, and what a road environment can do to him. 35 at rec hall with some of the stuff that was being said, craziness. Uh, he's been awesome. So I feel pretty good. I, I, again, and I've said it before, I almost sometimes feel better about the way this team looks on the road than they do in their own building, which may be good, maybe bad. I don't know. It's tough to tell, but um yeah, it's going to be a tough game against Wisconsin, but it's a Wisconsin team that looks a lot more vulnerable. I agree. I think Illinois is is the far more talented team. I'd probably you know, AJ stores good, but I think Illinois has three of the four best players on the floor in this game against Wisconsin. And um, I think it's going to be close, but I think this is a, a great opportunity for Illinois that, uh, Give yourself kind of a little bit of breathing room. I think the Big Ten title thing, that's off the table after you collapse against Penn State. 
So that Purdue game is just more so going to be a big opportunity for your resume. But if you go to Madison and win and get that quad one win, the pressure then is a little bit less for when Purdue comes to town. And we know how tough that matchup is going to be with how good that Purdue team is. So could be a great opportunity to kickstart that three game quad one stretch with a win against Wisconsin. Anything else that I'm missing from this week or the week ahead? Not that I can think of. I don't know. Like it was the Penn State game, terrible, pretty much all around. But you bounce back with Iowa, and now it's a pretty big four game stretch. Like I was thinking, we had that episode a couple weeks back saying this this stretch in February is crucial. You got eight games against like mid to low tier teams in the Big Ten for the most part. You want to go seven and one. You want to go eight and zero. Right now they're at five and two. Uh, you lost the game at Michigan State. You beat Maryland on the road, which was nice. You just beat Iowa at home, which was nice. And then, of course, the Penn State collapse. This Minnesota game's the last part of that eight-game stretch. I think I said I wanted seven and one. Like, of course, I want eight and zero, but I, I think I said seven and one would have been nice, and six and two would have been acceptable. So you get this Minnesota win, and you're sitting at six and two. Now you got a vulner, pretty vulnerable uh, Wisconsin team on the road. Still going to be a tough game, but it looks more winnable than it did about a month ago. So I think. Overall, I think Illinois is still in a pretty good position. The loss at Penn State was awful. Like, we don't need to spend more time talking about it. But overall, I think this team is still in decent position. I think I said last week that I my main goal for the rest of the season is I want to be a three seed in the tournament because I think that makes such a huge difference from being a four or five. What do you think Illinois needs to do to get to that three line? Obviously, losing at Penn State, a quad two game really hurt what would what would it look like i think if illinois goes two and one in that quad one game stretch obviously you beat minnesota and then you know you don't take a loss to some average team in the big 10 tournament i think they'll be right in contention for it i think you're a little more optimistic than i am like because we're now were we the 15th out of 16 on that reveal because that's yes. like lower tier. that was that's lower tier four seed i know some of the four seeds around us have lost. Like, yep. Some teams have been struggling like we have a little bit. But I don't know. You beat Purdue. You beat Wisconsin. I mean, you've got three quad one opportunities in a row. And then the Big Ten tournament, which is – it kind of sucks that the Big Ten tournament ends on Sunday because it's tough for the committee to judge. Like, Yeah, the Big Illinois Ten stuff. title result doesn't do anything for the bracket. I know. Because I was kind of thinking if we, like, beat Purdue twice in the next three weeks, that would be awesome, or that would be huge for the resume. But, like, I don't know how much that would really affect it. So I I think we're kind of stuck in the four line, to be honest. I don't know how much more we can do to get to the three line, which makes me pissed about uh, a couple years back when we were ahead of Wisconsin in the committee reveal, and then we played better than them in the final three weeks of the season. And then Wisconsin jumped us and played first-round games in Milwaukee. So, yeah, sorry for that tangent, but that pissed me off. Yeah, that was brutal. And, of course, Illinois faces Houston, who's like third in Ken Palm in the round of 32, a team that was probably a Final Four caliber team. And uh, I think Wisconsin got Iowa State and Colgate. Yeah. Illinois gets Chattanooga and Houston. That definitely hurt. Um, wouldn't you think, though, that let's say Illinois beats Purdue at home, which is obviously about as good a win as you can get, and then they split the two road games against with Wisconsin and Iowa, and then they get to Sunday. They meet Purdue in the Big Ten Championship, which the result of that one probably doesn't count. But in that case, you'd be getting – you wouldn't be taking another bad loss. You would have two more quad one wins, including a win against Purdue. And then you're probably on Friday of the Big Ten tournament beating like Michigan State or Iowa or somebody. And then on Saturday, you're beating Wisconsin again, and you get to Sunday against Purdue. Don't you think that gets you to the three line? Obviously, it depends on what other teams do. I still think there's hope there because I've honestly been surprised. I thought Illinois was going to drop to a five seed after losing to Penn State. Almost every bracket I've looked at still has them on the four line, which means they're three to four spots away from the three line. And if you go up to that Sunday Big Ten championship game and you're what, would that be five and one with three quad one wins added? I think you still have a path. There's a chance, yeah. I think something to look at is, is also, like, where does Maryland's net ranking end? Where does Ohio State's net ranking end? Because that's point. two quad one wins right now and a quad two loss at Maryland, or at home versus Maryland. So that's huge, too. I don't know. It's a lot of hypotheticals. Like, 
I think I guess there is a chance they get to the three line, which would be huge. Like playing a six in the second round, playing a fourteen in the first round, massive compared to a four seed like we talked about last week. I think so. That would be awesome. I don't know. Still a lot to happen. I think there's a, a chance, but I think realistically, Illinois ends on the four line. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, beating Wisconsin would go a long way. We will be back next week. It'll be March. That'll be crazy to re- be recording a March episode after all this time of talking about March for two months. And it'll finally be here next time we record. So we'll be back to talk Illinois-Minnesota, Illinois-Wisconsin. Look ahead to that Purdue game uh, on March 5th here in Champaign. And uh, start to talk some postseason basketball, some March Madness. That is going to be awesome. Uh, we might release a couple extra episodes during the postseason, um, especially since it falls around spring break. So stay tuned for that. Um, but for now, make sure to drop a follow on our Twitter account at Champagne on Ice. Subscribe to our YouTube to the Field of 68 uh, Podcast Network YouTube channel to never miss our episodes. Find us on any podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And uh, we'll be back next week. Let's let's. Have a clean 2-0 week with no seven-point collapses in 30 seconds and uh, not have to discuss that next week. That would be preferable. But until then, we will talk to you next week right here on the Champagne on Ice podcast. Have a great week, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.